Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. But these these pathogens, whether they are a parasite, whether it is um, a what I call a bad bacteria like H. pylori, which uh, maybe you've heard of that lives in the stomach, um, or even a yeast like Candida. So all of those creatures are nocturnal, and they are most active at 3 and 4 a.m., and that's when they are eating and excreting and releasing a lot of toxins and causing a lot of inflammation. Hey, what's going on, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Now, we're going to be interviewing someone I had the privilege of interviewing before, Martha Lewis, and she is going to be talking to us all about sleep. Now, Martha brings in like a million different variables that could be contributing to one's sleep problems and this is something that I definitely empathize with with people who deal with these types of things because although I had various health issues throughout my life I've done a podcast on here before you guys may have heard my episode I don't really talk about the sleep stuff because I had so much else going on that I sometimes don't even think about that but yeah I couldn't fall asleep I mean I was always up until late in the night like three or four in the morning I would only get a few hours of sleep and then you got to get up and go do it the next day right same routine well many people cannot sustain that I certainly couldn't and so we need to look at all the different things that can be affecting our sleep and so we can get support in that area now this is a second video podcast on the FDN Thrive Podcast. It is not quite out on YouTube yet, but it will be soon. You can also catch us on Instagram at FDN Thrive. But anyway, a little bit about Martha. She is a sleep consultant to people who want to sleep but can't. As a certified sleep expert and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, she addresses both body and mind with stress resilience techniques and testing for hidden health issues to get to the root cause of her client's insomnia. She has been featured in numerous publications such as Thrive Global and the Jackson Hole News and Guide and various podcasts around the world and is also a passionate speaker on the topic of sleep. Well, she can add FDN Thrive podcast to her list of publications, if you will. <laughs> and so without further ado, let's get to the episode. All right, everyone. Well, welcome back to another episode of the FDN Thrive podcast. We have our second video guest ever. She bravely stood up to the plate Fearless, no problem at all. We got Martha Lewis. So Martha, thank you so much for coming on here um, and helping us out with the video because we find these are really engaging. Yeah, I love so the video too. Thanks for having me, Evan. Cool. So we will start out with the same question that we always use to get these podcasts going. And what that is, is just asking about your kind of personal health history. So for many of us, I mean, we were dealing with health symptoms in childhood. For others, it wasn't until our adult years. So whenever your first health symptoms started, kind of take us back to that, please, and let us know what was going yeah, on. Yeah, definitely. It's funny because I was actually always pretty healthy growing up. And even in my 20s and 30s, I would say, I started learning about nutrition early on and I became really fascinated with it, but not really from more of wanting to stay healthy, not to correct anything. And so it wasn't until I actually developed insomnia that that was the first the first sign I knew of that, that things really weren't, you know, really weren't ideal. And it wasn't until I found FDN and was able to really understand what was going on in my body that was causing that. But looking back, like I did start developing some symptoms early on, and it was after I traveled in Asia 
for six months. And, you know, that's when I started getting some hypothyroid symptoms of not being able to lose weight and feeling cold all the time. And, and I know that I got sick with, when I was there with Giardia. Um, so yeah, it's always easy to look back. Which yeah. is a parasite for those yeah, that don't exactly. know, nasty little parasite. Um, so yeah, so looking back, I did have some symptoms early on, but didn't really, you know, was still able to function normally, still had energy, all of those things. But once I had a baby and got insomnia, that's when I really started struggling and found out that there was a lot more going on in my body that wasn't all that healthy. And you hit on something so key there, actually, right off the bat. I think it is episode 10 with uh, Jody Eleanor, um, and it's titled African Parasites, Mold, and Mental Health. And, you know, this is not an un... It's not as uncommon as you would think when someone travels and then they come back and actually some chronic health symptoms can kind of start to develop. So uh, just so I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that, I mean, you knew that you had gotten sick out there, but you didn't understand maybe how right, bad it was Right, and how it continued to affect my body and how I had another parasite as well that I didn't know about. So yes, exactly. All right. Well, I'll detour a little bit because I know we're going to talk about uh, sleep today and the insomnia aspect, but I got to ask, do you now, knowing what you know and probably having way more knowledge about this, let's say I'm your client and I'm going to travel somewhere. Are there any precautionary things that you can take? Because I've actually, as of recording this, never left the country, so I've never even really thought about yes, that aspect. Yes, and I went to Bali a year and a half ago and took some of these supplements with me to you know, make sure that I don't carry something back with me that I don't want. So, you know, there's more to it than, you know, if your gut is pretty healthy too, you, we're exposed to these parasites and other things all the time, probably. And if your gut's healthy enough, then they don't take hold, they don't necessarily cause problems. So it is partly with taking things like bringing a probiotic and, um, and maybe some, you know, some supplements that help kind of with your gut lining to keep that healthy. And then also some, um, some anti-parasite types of supplements as well is what I would recommend. Very cool. And yeah, I mean, you're totally right. Because if we have a healthy host, it's incredible what the human body can fight. And for it's still worth, though, uh, being precautious and, you know, listening to some of the things that you just said, because what I've seen, and this is more of a theory, but I think it's one that even Western medicine could kind of buy into. If I'm a totally healthy person, even by functional standards, and I have, you know, a background that is like, I mean, clearly, you know, like a Northern European descent, and I'm traveling to Africa or certain parts of Asia where maybe my ancestry just does not exist or it never existed, I think that I could be totally healthy and pick up something there that if my lineage has never had to deal with that specific type of bug, I, I think at least in theory, it makes sense that an otherwise healthy person could be affected by that. So I know when I travel, um, the first place I already know I'm going to leave, I just got my passport, is going to be Costa Rica. Um, I'm going to be careful. You know, I'm going to definitely be supplementing with some stuff. And so I'll have to do a little more of my own research, but I love the things that you already just said. Now, um, one of the things that when you and I had talked about before, we kind of defined, and I think that would be a great thing to do today, is what insomnia actually means. Because it was actually you that really helped me understand this because in my head, insomnia was limited to people who stayed up on like days on end, but I don't have like a specific time frame for that. And I know some people, if they 
are just getting like five hours of sleep a night, they call it insomnia. So what actually is insomnia and like what will you be referring to when you say it on the Well, there is an official diagnosis of the sleep disorder called insomnia that is actually pretty hard to meet. There are five different criteria of how much sleep you're actually getting. I think it's fewer than five hours. You're waking up multiple times in the night. It takes at least 30 minutes to go back to sleep every time. So things like that. Um, That's the official definition. When I talk about insomnia, and I think when a lot of other people talk about insomnia, to me, it means any, any trouble sleeping. So whether it's trouble falling asleep, it's staying asleep, it's not getting enough sleep, even if it's just waking up tired, I'm calling that um, insomnia, meaning just general sleep issues. And so that is what I help people with. And it's, so it's anywhere on the spectrum. Some people can go days without end without sleeping or a few days in a row without sleeping, which sounds absolutely horrible. You know, some people only sleep a few hours a night and other people, it's just, they're still getting like six and a half hours, but they're awake from three to 5 a.m. And they're really tired every day. So it can be anything on that spectrum. Yeah. And just out of um, sheer curiosity, because I I remember like being fascinated with this, like in my late teenage years. Now I wasn't into health yet, but when I heard the concept of like people staying up days on end, I was like, wow, that sounds awful. Um, You can actually die from, I mean, it's not, I guess a direct, it's more of an indirect death that happens as a result of not sleeping, but can't people with these, that true definition of insomnia that you're talking about, I mean, they can actually pass away from the condition. They could. I mean, they're, There have been people who have tested how long they can go without sleep. And it's actually not even allowed to be in the Guinness Book of World Mm -hmm. Records anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They don't want to encourage that. But people have gone five days and things like that um, without sleeping and been fine. But yeah, certain body systems start shutting down once it's not getting enough sleep. And so it's more like blood sugar regulation and temperature regulation and things like that. You're right. That's the indirect cause of not sleeping for so long. It's fascinating to me that if we're healthy, you know, a roughly third of our life is spent, um, you know, in this very vulnerable state from an evolutionary perspective, right? Because we're just totally out of it. And to add even more confusion to that is we don't really understand fully what's even happening during sleep. I know we're getting more and more advanced. Um, And then the icing on the cake is, oh, yeah, you're also going to, if you dream often, uh, be in this totally trippy reality that makes no sense at all. But, you know, you'll be exploring that. So sleep is it's so um, inherent to just being human that we don't or really, I guess, any life form. We don't really think about it. But to me, it's one of the oddest mysteries of our entire existence is that we require this. We don't fully understand why we require it. And you are going to experience the oddest thoughts that you'll probably ever have um, unless you take some type of drug while you're doing that. But yeah, that's just part of being human. So, okay. Anyway, outside of just my random comments there, because I, I hopefully some people appreciate that. I like your definition of insomnia and what we're talking about today, because yes, very few can relate to that one we were talking about that could potentially, I mean, literally cause someone to die eventually. But the one that you defined, that is something that everyone and their brother is kind of dealing with in our modern world. So when you started experiencing this, um, since there is this spectrum, like what did that look like for you? Because you were sleeping, I guess, relatively normal before. And then yeah, what I happened always after slept, that? slept great before. And I started developing insomnia, as we'll call it in late pregnancy, which I knew was just hormones, but and there wasn't much I could do about it. 
And then it continued even after my son was born, even after he was sleeping through the night, another year and a half after that. And for me, it looked like taking a long time to fall asleep, even though I was exhausted. And then I will wake up around three or four and not be able to go back to sleep until about 6 a.m., which was when my son was waking up. So I was only getting uh, yeah, six or fewer hours of sleep at night. And I was I was miserable, <laughs> for sure. It's a, again, most people in, by now are going to be able to relate to this in one way or another. But I remember when I was a kid, um, you know, like 19, 18, 19 years back, it, there's, and I think there's a reason for this, but it wasn't quite as prevalent. And I just remember, I mean, I would stay up all night and no one could figure out like what was going on. And like you just said, that's the key word. You're still exhausted, or at least many people are still exhausted. I want to sleep. I'm sitting there, everything's off, and I still can't get it. So it, it's really troublesome. Um, before you found FDN, like, did you try anything from a more Western perspective? Like, did you use medications? Like, what was – obviously, this is something that we typically want to solve right away because it's, it's – Yeah, I did not go for medications. I've, I've definitely been on the natural health mindset for a long time, even before FDN. So I did not want to go there. And I understand, though, how people, you know, if you go days without sleep, like I would at that point. So it's, you know, it's no judgment against people who use sleep medications. Um, I just I didn't choose to go there. I um, I was actually working in a health food store in the supplement department at the time. So I tried every supplement under the sun from melatonin to CBD to magnesium to homeopathics, like anything you could think of. I was trying it and they didn't right. help. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so supplements can be a hit or miss because like a lot of the common sleep ones have like valerian and melatonin in it. You want to have some crazy dreams. You mix those two together. And I don't necessarily mean crazy in a good way. So be careful uh, what you do. That's certainly not medical advice. Um, now, I want to rewind just for a second because this is always an important part of this podcast to me. You said that you were into natural health for a while before that. I ask every single person that comes on here how they got into this originally, because I, and I'm sure you as well, we want to spread this to as many people as possible. I don't care if this is the thing that they choose, but I want people to understand that they have an option in both Western and natural, and they can choose to combine those two in any way that they want. So did you have a parental influence when you were younger or like what got you into that natural side to begin with? Cause really in our world, that is not the main narratives that's pushed by society. <laughs> yeah. Um, my family was definitely not into the more natural things. So it more, I think it was in my twenties as I started learning about nutrition and, um, and then I went and got a master's into holistic nutrition and even just learning how about every single vitamin and what depletes that vitamin. And it's, you know, birth control and caffeine and alcohol deplete almost every single vitamin and mineral probably. And so just learning that made me um, really want to be more natural. Uh, I was vegetarian for a while. I worked on an organic farm for a while. So I just kind of became immersed in this. And yeah, it's, it's just been my path for whatever reason, <laughs> well, even with no influence. No, and that's cool. Well, and that I'm always even, I mean, it's not like there's anything wrong if someone does have that influence, but I'm so impressed because it is hard in any field, whether it's you know something completely outside of health, 
to go away from the path that 90 plus percent of people are on. You know, that takes guts and it takes courage and and a confidence in one's own intuition and self to say, you know what, I'm going to explore this other path because this doesn't seem right to me and it doesn't make sense. Um, I haven't figured out the formula yet to give that to everyone, but but it's a special thing. And it's really cool to hear that that was just how you got into this. So, all right. Now you're trying these natural things. You're working in the supplement store. How does this eventually lead to you even finding FDS? It was a long twisting journey, I would say, but I actually got into sleep with my son who wasn't a good sleeper. And I ended up hiring a sleep consultant to help with his sleep, which is totally not really health related at all. It's behavioral. And it made such a difference that I became a sleep consultant to help other parents with their children. So here I was as a sleep consultant, not sleeping. And then luckily, who I trained with for for baby sleep also offered an adult sleep certification. And so I took that, um, pretty skeptical that it would help, but actually some of those things did help. And we looked at diet and exercise in a very surface general way, um, but really the, um, you know, the getting out of bed if you can't sleep, the not watching TV before bed, like all of those things that I thought wouldn't really help, they actually really did help me for a little while. But then I went through another, through a stressful time about a year later or a year and a half later, even after I was sleeping better and my sleep deteriorated again and all those things didn't work. And luckily then I heard about an FDN practitioner who was helping people with sleep. And I studied under her originally before doing the FDN certification. So that's how I heard about this and doing all those lab tests, finding out what was going on in my body and, and working on those has improved my sleep dramatically too. Very cool. So when you're going through the course, um, because for those that don't know, this is obviously the FDN Thrive section. So this is more of like a consumer-based podcast. Not that we don't have practitioners listening, but certainly this is for a person that is kind of like you and I prior to FDN. We're still on our journey. We're exploring. We might not even actually ever have a goal of becoming a coach. We're just looking for our own health solutions. Um, So for those that don't know, when you go through the FDN course, you are required to run certain labs because we want people walking the talk, you know? And so when you are running some of these labs in FDN, um, and of course, you're learning about the lifestyle stuff as well, but what were some of those key things that you were just talking about that you said that you found, which were huge, um, well, as we call healing opportunities in the FDN world um, for getting better Yeah, so sleep? the test I did for me personally, and I, I actually find this really common with a lot of my clients... Uh, my gut was not healthy. So I had a few different pathogens. I had a parasite called blastocystis hominis, which is a pr- another nasty one. And, you know, I, sus- I suspect I got it 13 years ago when I was traveling. Of course, you can get it in, in the United States too, but it's possible that I had it for that long. Yeah. Um, and I definitely had an, what, what we call leaky gut or an unhealthy gut. Um, I had an imbalance of good to bad gut bacteria. And it's funny because I've been passionate about gut health for a while, even before FDN. And so I, you know, did a lot of things like drink bone broth, even used to sell bone broth and make my own fermented foods and all these things that we know help with your gut. But I think what, what I've learned from FDN is that if you have a pathogen like that in your gut, no matter what you do to try and heal your gut, it's not going to work. 
until you address that pathogen. So that was one of the big things for me. Okay. That, and it's huge because I'm always very honest about this. And, you know, I, it's not that I went away from the FDN modality, quite the opposite. Like I did everything that was said, but I had such bad reactions to some of the supplements I was trying that, you know, I became discouraged quicker than I should. And I'll tell you firsthand experience. Do you get better? I mean, kind of, but it is so slow compared to if you just address that stuff to begin with. Um, and I'm actually going back now, like four years later, just to get some of those things I didn't address before, because I've been able to be, do a, a really good job at symptom management, but not necessarily healing. And because, you know, if I cheat on the certain foods, I'll get that breakout. Or, you know, I have that bad night of sleep where I'm finding that FDN practitioners who have done the full work, yeah, you can go out and do something outside of the program every now and then and be totally fine because that's what actual healing is, right? Um, so for someone that's like totally new to that and doesn't have the connection of how something like blastocystis hominis or giardia, which are both parasites, as Martha said, how that could possibly relate to bad sleep. Can we kind of maybe bridge that gap? Yeah, there definitely. For the something I love to talk about, um, even though it kind of grosses people out, but these, these pathogens, whether they are a parasite, whether it is, um, a, what I call a bad bacteria like H. pylori, which, uh, maybe you've heard of that lives in the stomach, um, or even a yeast like candida. So all of those creatures are nocturnal, and they are most active at 3 and 4 a.m., and that's when they are eating and excreting and releasing a lot of toxins and causing a lot of inflammation. And what you may not know about cortisol, which is our stress hormone, it's also an anti-inflammatory hormone. And our cortisol levels should be highest during the day and not really at night, but whenever there's inflammation, then your body releases cortisol to deal with that inflammation. And when that's happening at 3 and 4 a.m., then that is going to wake you up and make it really hard to go back to sleep. So just such a cool connection. That's why I love what we do, right? Because you'll be lucky enough to even find someone that runs a damn test to look at something like Blasto or Giardia. Then let alone have the knowledge to actually realize that can be connected to your sleep and how it can be connected to your sleep or such a variety of other health issues um, that we, we work with. So when you're going through FDN um, and even post FDN, how long would you say roughly did it take before you got your sleep under control again and you got back to sleep? And yeah, well? um, it's, it's so different for everyone. I would say for me, it took a few months and it's kind of a roller coaster a little bit. It's not necessarily just every night's a little better. It's you might get a good night of sleep and then have another couple nights where you struggle and then another good night. And then those good nights just start getting more and more frequent until you're sleeping well consistently. And that's how it goes for most of my clients too. Some people start sleeping better within a month. Some yeah. it's more like six months. So it kind of depends on, you know, cause there's more that can cause these sleep issues than just your gut, <laughs> for example. So it, it depends on what they have going on in their bodies as to, and how long their bodies are going to take to start to heal. Right. And um, it, it's such a key thing. And I, the reason I asked that question is because, you know, we hear anywhere from like that couple month mark to like a year, it's important to understand. And if someone answers with that, 
kind of second number a, a year or something, that's not a reason to be discouraged. In my opinion, it's a reason to rejoice, to know, okay, I've been sick for a while, but there is an actual light at the end of this tunnel if I'm willing to put in the work. The body took a while to get sick. The body actually, compared to how um, long someone is sick, we should be thankful that it can heal as fast as it can because it's remarkable. I've seen people that are 30 years of autoimmune disease, one year of the right thing, they're symptom free. That's a good trade-off. That's pretty fair if you ask me, considering we were beating the hell out of the body for 30 years, intentionally exactly. or unintentionally, right? Um, okay, cool. So you have obviously dedicated your practice to focusing primarily uh, to people with sleep issues. I would love to dive into some of the other, or just, I shouldn't even say other, just some of the most common things in general that you're seeing. So can we maybe like go with the top three things that you're seeing that are leading to sleep issues in today's world? Because people have to think about this, and I'm sure most of the people listening already kind of have this paradigm, but from an ancestral perspective, it makes no sense that everyone and their brother, like I said already, has trouble sleeping. It's one of the most human things that we could possibly do. And yet everyone's struggling with this. So what are kind of like maybe the three top things that you're seeing in your practice today that are leading to sleep issues for Yeah, as everyone? far as health things. I mean, you know, I think so many people struggle today because of technology and our busy lives and stress and all of those our processed food system, like, you know, everything together. Um, but how that manifests health-wise, especially for sleep, besides the gut, I would say another top one is hormone imbalance. And so by this, I mean, partly sex hormones, like low estrogen, low progesterone, high testosterone, those things can cause sleep issues. Um, any kind of uh, what we call cortisol dysregulation or cortisol, if you're, if you're not following the the ideal circadian rhythm where, again, your cortisol is lowest in the night and it spikes first thing in the morning and then it gradually goes down throughout the day. Um, so when that becomes dysregulated, then that can cause all the other hormones to get out of balance as well. Um, so that's definitely a big thing I see is this hormone imbalance um, in very general terms. And it's going to look differently for everyone as to what that looks like. Um, and another common thing I see is blood sugar issues. And the reason why this affects sleep is, you know, ideally our blood sugar should be pretty steady throughout the day and throughout the night. But if you're on this really big roller coaster where it spikes really high and then it goes really, and then your body releases insulin and cortisol to lower it. And then you're on this roller coaster all day when that continues into the night and your blood sugar drops too low in the night, then your body's going to release cortisol because it's stressed. It wants energy <laughs> and it's going to wake you up. And you might not even necessarily feel hungry, but you're going to be awake. And this is a common reason I see people waking up, especially around 2 a.m. or about four hours after they've gone to sleep is because that blood sugar has dropped too low. Okay, I, lo I love that you touched on the uh, blood sugar side of things. We had uh, this past Easter, it was my favorite Easter ever, and I'll explain why. My sister is in nursing school, I'm just a nerd, and I got a, a, you know, a keto meter upstairs, I got a glucometer, like I'm just, you know, biohacking everything. And my mom got the idea, we tested everyone, of course we're doing it appropriately, like uh, new lancets and wiping everything down or whatever, but like we literally tested every family member to see their blood sugar like an hour after the meal, which was hilarious, but it was you know, not talking anything about certain family members here, but yeah, I mean, 
people are walking around with major blood sugar issues. And, and that's the thing because you, you hit on a key um, point. You might not even be hungry. Like you're not even, it's just like the parasite thing in a way. You're not even connecting that this is possibly what could be waking you up. So it, it's really an unfortunate thing for people. So I love that you bring light to that. Are you someone that just kind of trusts as our diet gets better? You know, we know that the blood sugar will get better, which is true. Um, or do you have people? You I haven't like done that. I have recommended supplements occasionally to help with blood sugar because as you already know too, like even people who eat healthy and are not eating a lot of refined sugars, they're not eating a lot of sugar in general, they can still have blood sugar issues just because that system has become dysregulated at this point in their health. And so, yeah, some people do they need that extra support, um, even if they're already eating pretty well to begin with. Got it. Okay. And I mean, obviously, yes, no human being needs a glucometer or a meter for ketones, right? It's just, it's always a fun thing. I mean, totally, you can always get one, you know, <laughs> I'm testing uh, my ketones right now. I'm just, I'm having fun with that. But anyway, I want to um, kind of transition a little bit, obviously still on the topic of sleep, but going into a few things that I'm curious what your knowledge is with this and any insights that you have kind of being a total sleep expert. I'm really big on the blue light thing. Now, I'm big on that for many reasons outside of just our sleep. Um, I study that very in depth. Probably, I don't know that there's any one single topic in health, even when it comes to diet stuff, that I've studied more than light um, and how it affects our health. And certainly, this is something that artificial light is definitely affecting sleep. But I'm curious like how much weight you put into that for these people. Because you have already mentioned things like the hormone thing, um, like blood sugar. Like there's, there's a lot of other things that we can be looking at, right? How often are you finding that you know, people just being on screens is a huge issue? Or do you have um, even general recommendations that you give to people like a certain time for cutting off screens? And I feel like there was three questions there. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I do think that light is important. So I would say with the people I work with, I mean, everyone knows if you struggle with sleep and you look up what to do about sleep, you're going to find that you shouldn't watch screens before bed. Now, some people do that. Some people still choose not to. So I get that. So I do think it is important, but also a lot of people I work with, they have already tried these things. Like they've done, they've done everything they know to do. They've followed all that generic advice that you find when you Google what to do about sleep issues. And so to me, that means if they've already tried all those things and it's not helping, then there's something more in the body going on. So to me, it also just depends on where they're starting from. Like, yes, if someone is watching TV before bed, I'm going to suggest that they don't do that. And if, if an hour before is too much to give up, then I say, okay, let's start with 30 minutes. Like watch TV, say from nine to 9.30, if you're gonna go to bed at 10, take 30 minutes, wear your blue light blocking glasses and, and then commit to being off screens for at least 30 minutes, ideally an hour before bed. And ideally, too, we're dimming the lights a couple hours before bed and, you know, starting to tell our body that it's nighttime and that it's going to be time to go to bed soon. So it, it so cortisol does lower and melatonin is produced and all those signals are there to sleep properly. Got it. And I love that you talked about the blue light blocking glasses. I started wearing those about four years ago. And you know what? They work. 
Um, I'm very big on, like, I filter the screens and even the light around me. And, you know, people think it's crazy. It looks really weird. But you know what? I get the best of both worlds, in my opinion, because I do use my tech and I use it later than you would recommend, probably if it was just normal tech and it wasn't filtered. But I filter the screens. The rest of the room is dark. Um, I wear the glasses. And thank God I have a girlfriend who is not only open to this, but does it with me. So we look outrageous together because the screens are filtered. We got the glasses and we have these damn amber uh, reading lights that we use for reading. Yes, but we also, we, I got it. She'll do, be on this podcast soon enough after she's finished up FDN and I'll show you guys this stuff, but we have a clip on it. And rather than attach to the book, we'll like clip it to our waist and we're running around the house with it like pitch black and we have the amber lights. Like we take, we're in, we're all in on the health stuff, right? Now, if you work with someone like Martha, she'll probably uh, help you sleep in a less crazy way. So, <laughs> you know, definitely the person to go to. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot because I have no idea if you even have any insight into this. There are studies, and actually it was a meta-analysis done that was the most convincing to me on both, including studies on both animals and humans, showing that very low frequencies, I mean, the things that we're exposed to at all times, even from like a Wi-Fi router. So this is science, guys. I'm not wearing a tinfoil hat. You can go check it out yourself. But they've shown that those low frequencies actually do affect melatonin secretion in both um, animals that are diurnal and human beings. So are you someone that has uh, dove into those topics at all about the Wi-Fi stuff and the EMFs? And if so, what is your solution? And if not, no worries, we can kind no, of No, I definitely, that. that is one of my recommendations. Um, I haven't... I haven't dove deep into the science or anything, but I do know that some people are more sensitive to others to EMFs. And so that's definitely something I'm looking for. Uh, so far, I just, I, you know, I do a basic recommendation of turning off Wi-Fi, like, like I do at home, I have it on a timer, it turns off at 10 or 10.30 or whatever, so it's off all night, nice. you don't have to worry about it. Nice. Um, and that's pretty much as far as I go for now. <laughs> Okay, but that's perfect. And you're the first person I met um, other than me that does, I don't actually even have the timer thing because I'll just straight up turn it off, but I've had the idea for other people. Um, so you're talking about those timers that you use for like uh, holiday lights or something like that, right? Like you could set it outside and it goes off yeah, exactly. and on at a certain time every day. Yeah. <laughs> that is cool. That's right? a no brainer. You're asleep, guys. You do not need the Wi-Fi on and just give it a shot because you know what? That one's actually profound enough. I found in my experience, over 50% of people can feel the difference after a few nights of having that off, which, I mean, that's pretty profound, um, you know, so to know that that's kind of happening. Um, all right. Now, this is also one of my favorite parts of the podcast, and it's just talking about client successes. Um, and we have some good amount of time here, so I don't even know if we want to dive into two stories, but I would love to hear um, a story or two about someone that has come to you, they are dealing with these chronic sleep issues, and you just totally turn it around for them because of the things. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have quite a few. So <laughs> um, one of my first clients, actually, um, was an or he is an architect. And so he had been struggling to sleep since he was 20, and he's now just turned 40, and um, so for 20 years, yeah, he was only sleeping five hours, probably a night, most nights. And it just, and then kept getting worse until he called me. And um, for him, it was affecting his job because he wasn't able to be creative. He wasn't able to focus. He was like, then he was worried about his career and what was going to happen. And so it was really affecting everything for him. And so 
we did the test. We found out he had, um, he did have a parasite. He also had H. pylori, that bacteria. And he had really high estrogen, which I see in a lot of my male clients. Um, and so, and some liver detoxification issues, because that is another common thing that I see too, that I didn't talk about. Um, he had a lot of food sensitivities, especially to gluten and dairy. And he was kind of resistant to give those up. But I got him to commit for doing that for three months. And within, he said within a month, he started sleeping better. By two months, he had lost 15 pounds without even trying. But that was one of one of his goals was to lose weight. Um, and yeah, by six months, he said that he now had energy, energy, creativity back, and he was excited about life, excited about his career again, and was sleeping and feeling great. And so that's such an amazing success to have, especially, you know, right after graduating, <laughs> to be able to help someone like that and see it so quickly. Yeah, and I mean, 20 years, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's actually really interesting to me. I'm seeing this a lot um, in, in my friends because, you know, I'm 25 and so many people go to college. And from my generation, if you weren't sick before, that's like the final straw. You know, and so many things um, can happen there. I mean, I think there's just the chronic stress of, all right, you know, this is big. You're going to get a job after this. Like, I got to do well in school. Um, there is the lack of sleep, which is sometimes completely non-existent for these people. There's the partying and alcohol. One, not to scare people even more, but one thing that I, I think is underrepresented and just not even considered is like you just talked about H. pylori, the parasites or whatever. Now, certain parasites are not so much saliva transmitted, but certainly H. pylori and many other bugs. Yeah. I mean, you're going to college and most people are having a swap fest of their little bugs. you know. And so you have this chronic stress on the body there. You're creating a perfect environment for these things to be spread. And then you go kiss a different person every week in freshman year and you wonder why you don't feel well. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, seriously, I mean, it's like, we're laughing about it, but it is ridiculous how many people I hear, oh, freshman year, I started getting stomach issues. I'm like, yikes <laughs> you know like how many people did you kiss before you were in freshman year like oh one or two i'm like all right oh boy so um yeah separate conversation um since we have the time though i'd love to what, what's a cool like second success story maybe of that really stands out of someone that came to you and was able to get a hold of yeah so there's another woman who i've been working with for nine months now and um she's a little bit younger i think she's 35 or something and she had been struggling with sleep for a while as well she was a real estate agent um so had a pretty stressful job and uh so we did the testing again found out that she had trying to remember exactly what she had she had h pylori too it's amazing how common this is in my clients i don't know if this is with everyone but definitely with sleep, it seems to be a big correlation. Um, she had. Yeah. Um, not to cut you off, but just to address that for you. Because it's said that in the Western world, in like Africa, it's believed to be about 50% of people. In the Western world, they're saying anywhere to 20 to 40%. I'm not saying that's inaccurate. Perhaps that's correct. In FDN practices, it's like 70 to 80%. So this is, it is very hard to say. Because correlation is not causation, I understand that. But it is very hard to say if that 20 to 40% is accurate, and yet 70 to 80% of people that are coming to us, like what would you say I your say percentage 85. is when you said a lot? Wow. Okay. Again, yeah, correlation, not causation, but this is coming up 
all the time in these chronically ill people. So I'm sorry, but I, I wanted to address that because I, I think that that's a really interesting Yeah, definitely. Point and the fact that Western medicine doesn't necessarily think that it, not all doctors think that it needs to be treated because it is so common. And so if people don't have digestive issues, then, oh, there's, there's no reason to do anything about it. But as FDNs, we do think differently because we see, we see all this, yeah, people with H. pylori and all these other health issues. So, um, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, she also had candida. She definitely had food sensitivities. Um, I, I run a what's called a hair tissue mineral analysis test, too. So this looks at the hair for the mineral status. She had major um, imbalances there in copper toxicity and some heavy metals. And so, yeah, lots of lots of different things going on there. Um, she did start sleeping better in three months. Um, but once she started trying to drink alcohol again, because she did um, abstain from it for 90 days, like I recommended. So once she started to drink again, then her sleep deteriorated again. And so she wanted to keep working together so that she could drink alcohol occasionally and also still sleep. And so we've been continuing working together. Um, now it's been about nine months. And um, now she just wrote me that she's sleeping great consistently. This is what she exactly what she was looking for. And she's still able to have an occasional glass of wine, um, enjoy some good food and it not ruin everything. So yeah, that's another inspiring story as well. You are a smart business person. Promises of drinking wine, getting good sleep, getting healthier. I, I like this already. I might be signing up soon. Um, but, okay. Um, I'd love to, since we do have a few extra minutes that I typically uh, would go, I would love to get into a few general tips. Um, so if someone's out there, maybe they're not like suffering greatly, but they know their sleep could be better, which is literally everyone I feel. And they're not ready to take the plunge either into investing into themselves and lab tests or whatever. If you could only get like a couple people to do a few things for their sleep, like what are some basic recommendations I mean, that you Yeah, have? definitely the, the basic recommendation of avoiding that light before bed is a big thing. Um, but also, you know, like some general liver support can be helpful, even just doing things like uh, lemon juice and warm water first thing in the morning, um, some kind of things to stimulate bile production and help with digestion and help with that liver detoxification. That can be really helpful. Um, of course, you know, doing what you can to take care of your gut. Um, I'd like to say too, if you, you know, if you're not ready to test for food sensitivities, then at least starting with an anti-inflammatory diet can be helpful. So that means avoiding these foods that commonly cause inflammation like gluten and dairy and other um, alcohol and caffeine for sure, and refined sugar, and also some common sensitive foods like besides gluten and dairy, corn and soy are some big ones too. So that's a, a very good place to start. Because um, really, we just want to lower inflammation as much as possible, lower your toxic burden. So using more natural personal care products and cleaning products and drinking filtered water and eating organic food, like all those things are, are definitely the foundation of any healthy lifestyle, but are a great place to start if you aren't already doing that and you are having sleep issues. They can make a big difference. And I think then if those things aren't enough, then it's definitely, it's definitely awesome. time to test because something more is going on. 
Cool. Does I just got to ask because I know that you had said that before you really uncovered even some of your own stuff. Uh, you were working a lot with kids. Are there any different recommendations or tips that you would give to maybe parents that have like a young child, three years old, kid doesn't fall asleep? Um, I'm assuming you're not doing much liver stuff with a child that young. So I, I was wondering if the tips were any different. Like if I'm a parent yeah, listening, well, what can I do? Yeah, well, for kids, it's completely different, I would say, um, at least initially, because it's more behavioral. And so it's, it's you know, it's they have their own independent sleep skills. So they can fall asleep on their own and then they can sleep through the night. However, if say you've done that, this is what sleep consultants help you with, or this is what sleep training is. And if that isn't working, then there could be something more going on. And so looking for food sensitivities is a big one. Um, starting to eliminate gluten and dairy as an experiment is a great thing to do. Um, and possibly looking into what's going on in the gut if they have some kind of pathogen there is where I would start for kids if it's not a behavioral thing. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, I have three more things for you really quick. One is, can you explain to people why eight hours is not eight hours? Because I um, was totally ignorant to this. And just to be clear about what I mean, can we talk about why sleeping from, uh, let's be extreme here, 4 a.m. to 12 p.m. is not the same, even if you're totally asleep that whole time, as sleeping from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah, there are different things that happen when you sleep at different times of the day. So um, our optimal sleep time, it is it can be a little different for everyone, and everyone has their own body clock or their own circadian rhythm. And so there are early birds, there are night owls, but it shouldn't be too extreme. you know. And the most common ideal sleep is from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. And we tend to get a lot more restorative sleep before midnight. And so that's why that's why that time seems to be most ideal. Um, and that's, yeah, that's how our body clocks are meant to be sleeping. So if you're sleeping outside of those hours, then you're, you're probably not spending the same amount of time in the different sleep stages, and you might not be getting as restorative sleep as you should. Okay, very cool, straight to the point. And I think that's important though, because I mean, truly, I, I was eating organic. I was doing the vegetarian thing, even like you had mentioned before. I just did not know until I got into FDN that eight hours was not eight hours. I had never thought about the fact, because I was totally someone who stayed up super late, and now I'm waking up ridiculously early. Like my family that has known me forever, obviously, always laughs about that because since I was a kid, um, sometimes by choice, sometimes not, as I mentioned earlier. I'm staying up till two or three or even four in the morning. That's just what I did. And then no pun intended, but literally overnight, once I learned about that, cause I'm like all in or all out, I started doing the 10 a.m. to six or 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. thing. It was not an easy transition. Um, and it did require some heavy supplementation initially to get myself off that other schedule. But, you know, I've stuck to that for the last several years and I've never looked back. Um, and I find that it actually shifts for me within the seasons. Cause again, I'm big on the light thing. I'll go to bed earlier in the winter um, and much later, um, like even two hours later in the summer, I've found that works for me personally. But again, of course, I'm doing things a little differently than most people, I guess, with the light stuff. So, all right. My second to last thing was where can people find your business? And I think it's kind of obvious, but just to put it in words, who is your <laughs> yeah, ideal so client? So I work with anyone with any sort of sleep issues. You're not getting enough sleep. If you're tired, I can help <laughs> you. And my website is thecompletesleepsolution.com. 
And I, I'm on Facebook too as Complete Sleep Solution. And I have a Facebook group called Sleep and Insomnia Help for Adults that you're welcome to join as well. And of course, we'll have all of those in the show notes, as always, my friends. Now, Martha, I want to finish up by asking you our signature question on the uh, FDN Thrive podcast. And I know that, well, maybe the answer is obvious here, maybe it's not, because sometimes people completely throw me off with this, so I'll, I'll always ask anyway. We talked about, you know, what are a few tips that you would give um, generically to like either parents or just adults themselves, but I want to be very specific here because this isn't just related to sleep. My question is, and the signature question is, if Martha Lewis had a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that's get them to engage in a habit or not engage in a habit, what is that one thing you would get them to do? <laughs> hmm. That's a tough one. There are so many things. Um, I think the biggest thing for me and one of the easiest things to do is to really focus on the quality of your food first. And this is very basic for me because I've been doing it for a long time before all the testing and everything else. But yeah, like making sure you're eating organic food that doesn't have pesticides, you know, eating quality animal foods that don't have antibiotics and hormones and all those things in them that can go a long way to helping you be healthy. Isn't it so funny how you cannot predict what these people are going to say the whole time we're talking about sleep and then she stresses the importance of diet and food. I think that just goes to show that the basics are always number one. Have you heard me say that before? <laughs> and that's why with FDN and FDN Thrive, we focus on dress. You know, the lab testing is fun. It's sexy. We want to talk about it. It's cool. No doubt about it. But the core thing that we do is the dress acronym, which is diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, supplementation. And in the FDN Thrive Coaching, that's what we help take someone through. They can understand that, they can utilize the lab tests to have a customized version of dress for themselves. And when you do those things and reduce stress in the body, it can do nothing else except get well. It really is that simple. It takes some time. Take some hard work and it takes some effort, but it really is that simple. So if you're ready to get started with that, feel free to go to our website, www.fdnthrive.com. You can fill out the forms there, click the get started here button, and you'll actually eventually end up on a call with me most likely. And we could talk about your personal health journey and issues and see if the FDN Thrive program would be a good fit for you. Well, I just want to thank you guys so much again for listening to yet another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Evan Transu, aka Health Coach Ev. And if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review on wherever you are listening, if they allow reviews to be had there, we would greatly appreciate that. And I am looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to fdnthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's fdnthrive.com.